0: Hey, uh, welcome to Berean this morning. We're glad to have you here. We uh, want to say hi to our friends out in Bainbridge and Cincy who are watching us by simulcast. And uh, thank you to those watching online. We're, we're glad that you are with us as well this morning. Um, we are in the middle of this series. Uh, we're halfway through. And so I would encourage you, there's a book we recommended at the very beginning. Uh, the Jesus I Never Knew by Philip Yancey, and I would encourage you if you haven't read that book, go ahead and, and buy that. Uh, you, you still got time to read it through. This sermon series is not based on that book, uh, but that book is a great supplement. And I would say every one of our pastors have have read that book and highly recommend that book. So we would encourage you uh, to do that. Um, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, it's uh, it's been a while. Uh, if if you, some of you probably knew this, but I was down for a couple of weeks with COVID, um, so I need to give a public thanks to Ron. I appreciate Ron. He stepped in at the last minute and preached for me here one Sunday. And then also I need to thank Phil out of Bainbridge because he did the same thing at Bainbridge for me. So uh, I'm back in the saddle. I'm ready to go. And I'm excited to be able to share uh, God's Word with you this morning. Uh, so if you would, join me in John chapter 3. Uh, we're working through the book of John, the first part of the book of John, uh, verse by verse. And so we are now in John chapter 3, uh, page 854, if you're using a chair Bible, if, you, if you'd like uh, that translation, a new translation, or if you don't have a Bible, those are free. Those are there available for you to take home with you. Now, as you're turning to John chapter 3, I just want to give you an example to get our thinking going this morning. Um, how many of you are iPhone users? Okay, wow, quite a few. Okay, um, so imagine, imagine that you had just gotten the iPhone 27. All right, now I know they're on, they're only on 13 right now, but the, you got the brand new iPhone 27. You're, you're excited because it has all these new features. It's an upgrade. Maybe you you know you used to have the iPhone 24, you know now you've upgraded to iPhone 27, but just a couple weeks after you get it, they come out with the iPhone 28 Pro, right? And it has eight cameras on the back, and it has a terabyte of storage. It has all these upgrades and new features, right? You kind of get. I don't know. You want to jump to the new thing, right? Now, maybe you're not a phone person. Maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it's a a new tool. Uh, Maybe it's a health and beauty aid product. You know, and as soon as you get excited about something, the next version comes out new and improved. And so we want to jump to the new thing. Well, unfortunately, uh, there are people that are that way with their faith as well. And we're going to see An example of that this morning in John chapter 3. So if you would join me, I'm going to start at verse 22. Verse 22, John 3, 22. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Um, I don't know about you, but it's pretty exciting to see that Jesus did rural ministry, right? He didn't do just urban ministry, he did rural ministry. Jesus spent some time with them there baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptizer was also baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water there. Now, just a real quick note um, if you were sprinkling in baptism, that wouldn't matter, right? But like we saw with Wally here a couple weeks ago, right, we believe in immersion. the the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there was plenty of water there, and people kept coming to him, John the baptizer, for baptism. Now this was before John was thrown into prison. And a debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River the one you identified as the Messiah is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. See, there was this this new and exciting teacher in town. And all of a sudden, people were starting to go to him. But that new exciting teacher was Jesus. Now, let me go back and read the end of verse 26 the way I hear it in my head, because I, I think this is the way it sounded when they when they said it to John, and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us, right? Can you hear the whining in their voice? I, you know when I hear somebody whining now now a two year old you expect to whine, right, but you don't expect a forty year old to whine, and so when you hear a you know, a forty year old whining. I don't, my first reaction is, wah! You know, like, you, you want to say, what are you, a big baby? But that's kind of what they sounded like. Like, you know, oh, this is so terrible. Why are they going to Jesus? So, fortunately, John the baptizer was a much more gracious person than I am. So here's John's response. John said this, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. You see, John says to them, listen, I've told you before, like I said earlier, like I said before, he is the one. He's the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. And my job is pointing people to him. And then he goes into an illustration about marriage, about a wedding. And he talks about the fact that the role of the best man is just simply to stand there and be a witness, right? The when you look at, even if, as you look at this photograph, you can't tell who the best man is, right? The focus is on who? The focus is on the bride and on the groom. And so John the baptizer is saying to his followers, listen, it's a good thing that people are going to him. It's, it, this is the purpose, this is, this is exactly what my role is, is to point people to him. He's the groom. He's the important one. In fact, if we go back and look at John chapter 1, we see that that, at that point, John the baptizer loses some disciples. He has some followers that that start following Jesus. Now we see this progression where, where the followers are going straight to Jesus. And John is saying, listen, that's the plan. That's exactly what should be happening here. But he goes even further. Look at verses 31 through 36. He says, He has come, speaking of Jesus, from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard But how few believe what he tells them. Listen, anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's word. For God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remain under God's angry judgment. John goes one step further. He says, yep, my role is to point to Jesus. But then he he tells them who Jesus is. And and he goes through a number of different things. Jesus is heavenly. We're just earthly. He, He makes reference to something that that John the writer says back in chapter 1 that that Jesus is the creator, he's the sustainer of all things. Some translations have this phrase, he is above all. He describes Jesus as being sent from God the Father. He describes Jesus as speaking God's word. He says Jesus has all authority, but he saves the very best for last because he says this, Jesus is Is the only source for eternal life. Now I need to pause for just a moment because there may be some that are watching or are here this morning that has never made that decision to become a Jesus follower. Listen, your good works is not going to lead to eternal life. Jesus is the only source for eternal life. You can't get to heaven based on your religion, Jesus is the only source for eternal life. You cannot have a relationship with God based on your parents' or your grandparents' relationship with God. Jesus is the only source for eternal life. And so John makes it very clear, listen, not only is my role to point to him, but here's why we point to him. Because he is the source eternal life so John the Baptizer is he's losing followers but but he understands it he gets it that's the way it's supposed to be. but yet after hearing all this description of how amazing Jesus is, let me point out to you that Jesus himself lost followers. if you would just turn over a couple of pages, uh, scroll down and if you using an electronic device, go to John chapter six. Because in John chapter 6, we see that, that even Jesus lost disciples, lost followers. And, and as you're there in John chapter 6, just go just of scan down through, maybe look at the headers if your Bible has, has paragraph titles or whatever. But you can see that in this chapter, Jesus does this amazing miracle of feeding thousands of people. And then he uses that as an object lesson. And he begins to talk about the fact that he is the bread of life. And then he starts talking about the cost of discipleship, the cost of following him. And he he says this, he says that a follower of me has to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, our Catholic friends take that very literally and have come up with some weird theology based on that. But Jesus was not literal. He's talking figuratively. Just like we, we, we heard a couple weeks ago when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and he talked about ye must be born again. And, and Nicodemus was like, whoa, you know, hold this, I'm supposed to enter my mother's womb and be... And like, No, 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 it's not literal. It's a figurative thing. And so Jesus is saying to them, listen, if you are going to be my follower, you have to share in my suffering You have to go through the difficult times as well as the easy times. There are are going to be uh, sacrifices that need to be made to be my follower. And so here's what happens. John chapter 6, verse 66. Probably, at least in my opinion, the saddest verse in the Bible. Because after that, at this point, many of Jesus' disciples turned away and deserted him. His disciples. Like, like, not just the crowd. His disciples. Like, not just the people that got that got healed or got fed. His disciples. Listen, not, not even those that were just there for entertainment, right? His disciples. Left... And deserted him. See, when things got tough, when they didn't understand where this was going, disciples walked away. Now you may have heard us talk about this before, the difference between a fan and a follower. But it's important to remind ourselves every once in a while as as we come across this in scripture, because this, this gives us this illustration that, that see, the fans the fans stick around for the exciting stuff. The fans were, were there for the miracles, they were there for the great teaching. They were there for the good food. You know, if we were bringing in today, you know, the, the fans would be there for the, the celebrity preacher. the fans would be there for the amazing worship. But the difference between a fan and a follower, the follower are those that endure hardship. They, they know that, that there, there isn't a new and better model. There's not a John the Baptizer 4.0. And there's not a Jesus 2.0. Jesus is the one and only. So that begs the question, are you a fan? Or are you a follower? I mean, let me give you a, 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 a really basic, simple analogy. As some of you know, I'm a Houston Astros fan. Yeah, there's a couple of moans and groans. Listen, I, there, was, there were some years they were pretty lean. There were some years that the Houston Astros had over 100 losses in one season. And if you follow baseball, like you know that's, your team is really bad when they have 100 losses in a year. But then, then they started winning. Yeah, they cheated in 2017, that's right. <laughs> you're, not, you're not trying if you're not cheating. No, I didn't say that. But they, they started winning. And now, all of a sudden, there was this, this bandwagon of fans, right? See, there was diehard fans that suffered through the difficult seasons. And so for us, like that was, it was so much sweeter for, those, for that team to start winning because we had gone through the hard times. Right? A diehard fan versus a bandwagon fan. Now, let me give you another example. So, you know, it's notorious around here that Pastor Justin is a Buffalo Bills fan, right? Yeah, there you go. So at least some people are excited about that. So Buffalo Bills, now now they I don't think they've ever had like really horrible seasons like the Astros had. But with the Buffalo Bills, it was a problem of like they were seventy-nine, seven and nine, eight and eight. They were kind of mediocre. And, and every year there would be this glimmer of hope that they would make it to the playoffs and then something would happen and that hope would be dashed, right? Yeah. But then here's the thing, like, all of a sudden they started getting better. They, they got a great quarterback, they got a good coach, things started changing, the culture of the team started changing, all of a sudden now they're winning, right? They've been in the playoffs, they're a Super Bowl contender, but there's those fans that are jumping on the bandwagon and are all excited about them now. But before, there's the people like Pastor Justin that have endured those hard years and, and those disappointments, the diehard fans that have stuck with the team through thick and thin. Now listen, that's, that's a, a really understated, insufficient example of a basic truth when we apply that to our spiritual life, listen, John the baptizer shared the secret for us. He shared the secret of what the difference is between a fan and a follower. And so if you would go back to John chapter 3 real quick, because there is a verse that we skipped, right? Did you notice that? We skipped verse 30. And verse 30, in the New Living Translation, it says this, He, Jesus, must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. I like how the ESV puts it. It says this, that he must increase and I must decrease. You see, the gospel, the Christian life, the difference between a fan and a true follower... Is understanding he must increase, I must decrease. It's not about me. In fact, I would encourage you to spend some time studying Philippians chapter 2 to really fully understand this concept. Spend some time in Philippians chapter 2 because you see the example of the humility of Jesus himself, even, and the understanding. That it's not about me. In fact, let me put it another way. It's not about what Jesus can do for me. It's about what Jesus can do in me and through me. It's not about what Jesus can do for me, it's what he can do in me and through me. Now, listen, there's, there's a lot of popular preachers out there today that are on television that they're, they're, they spend a lot of time talking about what Jesus can do for you. And that message is really popular today because we live in a narcissistic society. Like, we live in a society of, of taking selfies and taking shots of, of the food that we have and, 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 you know, the great vacations that we're on. And, and we want to, you know, tell everybody what a great life we have. But listen, the biblical model is just the opposite. You see, the biblical model says that Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, wants to change you, wants to conform you, wants to make you more and more into His holy image. In fact, Paul put it this way. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says this, So all of us who have had that veil removed, the fact that before we were spiritually blinded, But because of the gospel, because of the good news of Jesus Christ, we can now see clearly that that veil has been removed and we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Listen, first of all, it's progressive, right? You notice it's not an instant thing. We, we live in a society and a culture that wants things now. But it's not an instant thing. In fact, there are no shortcuts. There's no Bible pill that you can take that, that gives you a momentary boost. Right? It's, it's a day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month progression of allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. And to change us and conform us and make us into the image of Jesus Christ. So here's the really hard question. The hard question that you should be asking yourself and the hard question that I have to ask myself. Am I more like Jesus today than I was a week ago? Am I more like Jesus today than I was a month ago? Am I more like Jesus today than I was a year ago? Because, you see, here's the big idea. Here's the, here's the big thought that I want you to walk away this morning with. Following Jesus means less of me, more of him. Listen, the mission of Berean, in fact, the very great commission that Jesus gave to all of the church was not, was not just to go out and make followers, make disciples. It was to go out and make more and better Jesus followers. And this morning, really, what we're talking about is that, is that second part, making better Jesus followers. The challenge is for all of us that each day we become more and more like Jesus. That, that is a better Jesus follower. Listen, we want to grow spiritually. We want to mature in in our faith. Less of me, more of Jesus. If we want solutions to the conflicts in the church today... Less of me, more of Jesus. If we want better better marriages, better relationships, less of me, more of Jesus. So listen, sometimes the old hymns say it better than, than we can say it. And so I just want to share the words to this old hymn with you. It goes like this. Let me walk in your love and walk paths of right. I pray that your grace will guide my steps aright. And when I feel lonely, let me lean upon thee just more of you, Lord, and less of me. I will tell of your love and how your light abides and grace that you give as you walk by my side. In my heart, I'm learning just what I can be With more of you, Lord, and less of me. More of you, Lord, that's my desire. More of you, Lord, this you require. More of you, Lord, just let it be. More of you, Lord, and less of me. As the worship team is making their way up, we're going to have a time of response through song. But I want to take just a a couple of moments to reflect on this as well. And so if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. This morning I want to really present two different challenges. Like we, we talked about earlier, The fact that Jesus is the only source for eternal life. If you have never made that decision to be a Jesus follower, maybe as you hear this message you go, you're kind of like the disciples that walked away. You're going wow, there's a lot more to this than I thought. But the reality is it is the only way to have a relationship with God. It's the only way for our sins to be forgiven, for our relationship to be restored. And even though it may sound like you're signing up for a difficult thing, the fact is you're signing up for the best life possible. Not only here, but in eternity. And so if you've never made that decision to become a Jesus follower, man, I would love to talk to you after the service. I I would love to, to, to show you from God's word what it means to make that decision, to put your trust in him. For those of you who have already made that decision, the challenge is, is pretty clear. Are you more like Jesus today than you were a week ago, a month ago, a year ago? And if you're not, God wants to work in your heart. He wants to work through the Holy Spirit in your heart to help you become more and more like his son Jesus every day. And that's the challenge for me. That's the challenge for every one of our pastors, our staff. That's the challenge for you. To be a better Jesus follower. Less of me, more of him. Would you make that commitment this morning? And ask yourself that question on a regular basis. Am I more like Jesus today than I was before. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the fact that you sent your son Jesus to to die on the cross to cover our sins, that he rose again and defeated death, and that we serve a living Savior. God, we thank you for the fact that we also have a Christian life, a, a, a spiritual journey, a walk that we're all on and we're all at different places, but yet we all have the same goal. The goal that you have given us is to become more and more like your son, Jesus, every day. God, I pray that you will work in my life. You will work in each of those lives that are that are hearing this this morning. That you will help us to, to yield, to, to, to be humble, to put, put aside ourselves and that it would be evident that there's more of you each day. God, we want to honor you and worship you. We, we want to be re- a reflection of your glory and your grace. So God, may you work in our hearts each day to become more like Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.